The following lecture was produced by the Gnostic Academy of Chicago, a nonprofit organization, and is one of many available for podcast, download, and transcription. You can visit chicagonosis.org to find courses, articles, scriptures, commentaries, and other valuable resources that address a wide variety of spiritual subjects, interests, and needs. Through the generous support of listeners like you, the Gnostic Academy of Chicago has produced online courses, lectures, and articles freely available worldwide. If you have benefited from this knowledge, help humanity through making a tax-deductible donation at chicagonosis.org. If you are interested in attending the Gnostic Academy of Chicago in person, you may view our online class schedule and freely register at meetup.com slash chicagonosis. The Chicagoland Gnostic Academy provides humanity with the necessary means for transforming suffering and acquiring personal knowledge of the divine. With this purpose in mind, we now begin the lecture. May all beings be happy. read the synopsis from Sarasota Opera House. In the prologue, the action takes place in Aquileia and on the Adriatic lagoons. The other acts take place throughout Italy. The time is mid-5th century AD. Scene one of the prologue, a square of Aquileia. The Huns rejoice in the destruction of the city of Aquileia and hail their victorious king Attila. Against his master's decree, Uldino, Attila's slave, has saved from from death a group of local warrior women. Attila responds favorably to the bravery of their leader, Odabella, and grants her a favor. She requests a sword, and Attila responds by handing her his weapon. The king falls instantly in love with the maiden. Left alone, Attila meets with Ezio, the Roman general. Ezio tells Attila that if they join their forces together, Attila may conquer the universe as long as the king leaves Italy to him. Taken aback by the general's willingness to betray his own people, Attila swears to conquer Ezio and the Romans on the battlefield. Scene two, marsh in the Adriatic Lagoon. Following a night filled with violent storms, hermits pray to God. Refugees fleeing Attila's attack arrive. And one of them, the Aquilean knight Foresto, bemoans the fate of his beloved Odabella. Together, Foresto and his countrymen proclaim that their new homeland will rise like a phoenix from the marsh on which they stand. This opera is about the warriors of Mars. There are seven main spiritual influences within the cosmos relating to seven planets, moon, Mercury, Venus, sun, Mars, Jupiter, Saturn. In terms of spiritual development, when our spirit, our divine being, emerges from the absolute, the cosmic, 
abstract, absolute space. Our particular divinity enters through one of seven rays. The planets themselves represent forces. They represent qualities of being. And so when we, as a spirit and as a ray of light, enter the universe, we do so under through one of the seven rays. Some people have a spirit from the ray of Mars, others from the ray of the moon, others from Mercury, others from Venus. And so these rays represent qualities of the spirit that we need to develop. Mars obviously relates to war, but not war of a physical nature, war of a spiritual nature. In the same way that light enters a prism, it can manifest in accordance with seven colors. Likewise, the soul acquires the characteristics of the ray from which we enter, from which we emerge. Mars, unfortunately, is conceived as a demonic, evil quality because people ignore that when the light is pure above, it is love. The love of a warrior to defend what is proper and right. But when mixed with animality, with ego, it is hate. It is pride. It is aggression. Each ray is governed by an archangel. The lunar ray governed by Gabriel. The mercurial ray governed by Raphael. The venustic ray governed by Uriel. The solar ray governed by Mikael. The Martian ray governed by Samael. Zahariel governs the Jupiterian ray. And the Saturnian ray is governed by Uriel. This opera is about the warriors of Mars, governed by their hierarch, the archangel Samael. This angel is controversial. This angel has been referenced throughout many religions, symbolized as a great fighter. The Zohar references him as a terrifying angel, but also a great adversary. He is an angel that defends people who are pure and punishes those who are impure. It depends on our psychology. We see here the name Samael on Veor. Samek Mem means potion, medicine. It also means poison, bitterness. But we have to remember that this word or these meanings are followed by El, Aleph Lamed, which means God in Hebrew, reading right to left. Samael is the poison of God, the medicine of God the bitterness of God. 
we have to remember this because this angel is poisoned to the ego. The ego dies before the majesty of this Martian spiritual warrior. And therefore, if any of you have ever picked up the books of Samael and Vior, who is the human person of this great angel, the Bodhisattva, you find that he is very direct. He is very severe against mind illusion, impurity. And therefore, many people can't read his works. It is too abrasive, too forceful. It is overpowering to desire, but it is the uplifting force of the soul. Samek means support in Hebrew. It is a serpent. And many times the Zohar references Samael as the angel who wrote a serpent in Eden. Because Samael, in us as a force, is the serpent of temptation. That by conquering we rise, we are elevated, we are honored. Aun, Aleph, Bab, Nun, means strength. It means sexual virility. And virility, the sexual power, is the origin of real virtue. When we know how to save it and elevate it. It is the power of sex, which is where Samael, the angel, works. If we use that energy with purity, it strengthens the soul as a great virya, a warrior of the spirit. But if we are impure with that force, we poison the mind. We enter damnation as a soul. Veor, vav, aleph, vav, resh. Vav at the beginning of a word in Hebrew means and. And aor means light. And light. Samael on veor. The potion of God, the medicine of God. Sexual strength and light. Vav, as a Hebrew letter, represents the spinal column from which the light of Kundalini rises. The power of Samael. It's important to make a distinction, though, that there is an archangel named Samael who had his human bodhisattva, Samael on Vior, whose books we provide from Glorian Publishing. One thing is the master Samael on Vior, and one thing it is our inner Samael. Samael, the archangel in heaven, is resurrected. He is perfected. Samael in us is a demon. We have ego. We have lust. We have desire. We have the potency and strength of Mars, but channeled in hell. And that is the great dilemma of this opera. Will that energy become pure? Will the initiate succeed? And if so, how? The book of Revelations discusses this archangel in the verse, chapter 19, verses 11 through 16, how this archangel is the head of many kings. There are many Malachim relating to the Sphere of Tifereth. 
These are masters of major mysteries, initiates, crowned bodhisattvas who have Christ inside. Samael, the Logos, Aries, Mars is the top trinity. And so this archangel leads many kings. Internally, you can see them. They are the Dharmapalas in Buddhism who defend the law, who transform the fire of their animosity into the severity of God. And so these verses from Revelation discuss this angel, how he leads many kings. And through his purity and the power of his word, smites the nations, oppresses the ego, and therefore harnesses the power of sex represented in the last few verses, of which we'll explain. And I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True. And in righteousness he doth judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. And he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood. And his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword that with it he should smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron. And he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. Fire is a symbol of Mars, the fire of strength, the fire of the spirit. And the crown is Keter. Samael has many crowns on his head because he is responsible for many bodhisattvas in this epoch. He had a name written that only he knew himself. His secret name, his spiritual name. Because whenever any monad or being emerges from the absolute, it's like a trumpet giving off a note. When the divine seity gives birth to a, or gestates a, Monad, a spirit, it pronounces, as in Genesis, let there be light, and there was light. Plays a note, and that note is a name. Each one of us has a being with a specific spiritual name. The name of the archangel governing Mars is Samael. It is an eternal name. His vesture is dipped in blood because Samael, the angel, works through blood. And we know that Mars is about bloodshed. Obviously, in the animal way, Mars inverted is violence. But Mars of the spirit controls the blood, passion, desire to become elevated. His name is called the Word of God. Aum Veor. Aum Veor. Aum is the Word. And light is God. So they follow him on white horses. And the horse is a symbol of these lower four spheres of the tree of life. Four legs. The animal which we must control. Netzach, the mind. Hog, 
the emotions, the Asad, sexuality, and Malkut, physicality. Those horses are pure within those initiates because they've cleaned out desire. And from his mouth goes a sharp sword, the word empowered by Shin, the fire, the creative force, the mantra relating to the fire of Kundalini. And his word, his fiery knowledge, smites the nations. And he rules with a rod of iron. Iron is the metal of Mars. It means willpower, strength, which is the focus of this opera. And he treadeth the winepress, the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God, El Shaddai, which is the sacred name of God in Yasod, the sexual force. Shaddai means field and is within the Shaddai where the serpent of Eden tempts. If we control the serpent, we enact the power of Shaddai el Chai, the almighty living God. It's where you press grapes, the grapes of transubstantiation. You crush the grape, meaning if you're married, you unite with your partner, husband and wife, and you extract the energy from sex and make it wine. The first miracle of Jesus was at a wedding, transforming water into wine. And this is the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God because it is the power of sex, which makes an angel or a demon. Depends on how we use it. And on his vesture and on his thigh was a name written. King of kings and Lord of lords. The power of the thigh is the power of sex. And if you remember Genesis, Jacob wrestled with an angel. The Zohar says that angel is Samael. When Jacob was wrestling with God, he dislocated his thigh because he is struggling with the power of Samael to control the energies and to become an initiate. And when he conquers this angel, this force, the angel says, I shall no longer call you Yaakov. I shall call you Israel because you have Isis Ra'el. Your divine mother, your spirit, and the solar forces of Ra, the initiatic Christ above. This is all represented in Attila. Attila, as a character, is a king of many kings. By this, we are not saying that the historical Attila was Samal and Vior's reincarnation. We're referring to the initiatic symbol. The Huns call him the god of war. He is the power of will. It's important that when we study Attila as a character, we study the tree of life. Because Attila is a master. He represents the angel Samael, but also can represent any Initiate of the Martian Ray. Who is a master? An individual who raised the sacred fire of Kundalini in the perfect matrimony from within the spinal column of the physical body, Malkut, the spinal medulla of the vital body, Yasod. The spinal medulla, the fire is rising up the emotional or astral body, Hod. Likewise, the fires in the spine of the mental body, Netzah, 
And finally, the spinal medulla, the fires of kundalini risen within the causal body, Tiferet. These constitute the bodhisattva, the human soul, the individual initiate who has created a solar sexuality, solar emotions, solar mind, solar will. Willpower relates to Tifereth. Tifereth in Hebrew means beauty. It is the beauty of the soul. This explains why someone like Verdi would make beautiful music about a barbarian warrior. If this was a really historical account, why glorify this individual? It's because the beauty of the soul is Tifereth and that this is a spiritual allegory. Above Tifereth, we have divine spheres. So the ego, the self, contaminates the mind, emotions, and sexuality, and physicality. Oh, the initiate purifies these bodies, creates solar bodies relating to these spheres, and therefore can begin to unite with Geburah, justice, the divine soul. Likewise, Hesed, the spirit, the inner God. Attila is the same as the Nordic runes, Otila, or the Greek Thelema, Telema, willpower. This rune, Os or Otila, relates to Telema, willpower. The Nordic yoga, we take positions. Otila looks like this your hands on your hips. You do certain prayers and mantras. You raise the creative energies of sex to your mind and then to your heart. You also call it the rune os. Because when you do exercises like the seven runes, as available through Brian Publishing's video, you are in the same similar position of the rune os, otila. You're vocalizing the mantra, o. It is the power of the heart that acquires initiation, development, degrees. In Attila, is one being, a master of Mars, the Martian force, who is conquering his inner kingdom. It's important to note that places and geography mentioned in the opera or any opera by Freemasons or initiates are symbolic. It's really amazing to see that these Freemasons or initiates used geography to teach abstract symbols. This opera takes place in Italy. The Huns, the, uh, Attila and his kings are sacking the city of Aquileia. He wants to go for Rome. Italy literally looks like the Hebrew letter Lamed. What's interesting about the symbol of Lamed is that as a Hebrew letter, it represents the descent a force from the absolute down through, or through involution, the spirit entering matter, and finally entering our sexuality and our physical body. Rome, spelled backwards, is amor, love. It is the house, the city of love. And when that force from divinity descends down the tree of life into our body, it manifests in yesod which is love, amor, Rome. It is the house which all the creative power of divinity enters and is stored. And the initiates 
Instead of expelling that force, they conserve it and they raise it back up to the power of pure love. Not animal desire. Chastity. Lev, Lamed, Bet. Because the Bet can also be a they sound. At the end, Lev means heart. And so with the power of the heart, we take the power of sex and raise it. Only the heart determines initiation, not the mind. It is the capital of Italia. Lea in Spanish means loyal to the law, lion. And if you know Kabbalah, the lion is a very powerful symbol. The lion of Yehuda, Judah, the solar forces of Leo, which will become very significant in Act 1 next week. And therefore, what is a real initiate? Symbolically, in Italiano, the power of Lamed manifested within Bet, the heart, who takes the power of Nun, the Aramaic word or Hebrew word for fish. The sperm of the ovum is transformed. You raise it back up the spine to the mind. Therefore, you have Italiano, I-A-O, yod hei vav in Hebrew. Add another hey, you spell Jehovah, yod chava. All that is born from the sexual force, which we want to control. Which is why the Huns come for Aquileia. Aquila in Latin means eagle. And so again, geography takes on sacred dimensions, not liberal meaning. Those are merely the stage or the playing ground from which these symbols can be articulated. The eagle, aquila, can also relate to aquiline, which is the Roman eagle-like nose with a prominent ridge, which appears slightly curved or bent. The eagle is a symbol of the air. And if you look at the lower four sephiroth of the tree of life, you have Four elements, Malkut relating to the earth, which I believe is the bull. Yasod relating to the waters. Sexuality is man, the human being, or an angel. Pod, the astral body, the emotions, relates to fire, the lion. And Netzach, the mind, relates to the eagle, the air. The opera starts in Aquileia, meaning these initiates have sacked Netzach, not out of physical violence and bloodshed, but the spirit controlling the mind and fully cleaning out the city. Because as Salman Vior explains, we have a psychological country which we inhabit with many egos, many defects. And so Otila, Telema, the human soul, Tifereth, willpower, has conquered the mind and therefore is a Buddha, a master at a beginning level. But we have to remember that there are levels of mastery. Aquila relates to the eagle, which we control through the conjuration of the four. Aquila erens impedit tibi dominis per alas tauri, from Latin meaning wandering eagle. May Aronia command thee by the wings of the bull. The bull, which is an, is an animal with a lot of fire, is sexual energy. 
But Adonia, the Lord, relating to Malkut, the sacred name of God in the sphere, Adonai, is the power of sex that is risen. So the wings of the bull, meaning you take the fire of the bull, which is a very virile animal, and you elevate it, make it divine to control the mind. So the Huns have conquered Aquileia. And who are the Huns? Hon, Haun, Aun. These are warriors of great virility who take the power of sex and make it sacred. But in the process, we understand that they are barbarians. And this is where the opera gets ambiguous and interesting. Why is it that Verdi would glorify the initiates but call them barbarians? It's because all the Gnostics who are trying to perform this work have an element of good, but we have a lot of ego. Samael is black in us. We may be a, some people may become a king, a Malek, a Malakim. The fifth initiation of major mysteries become a bodhisattva, can incarnate Christ, and yet the ego is very alive. This explains why Attila is dual. He is the hero, but he is the enemy. Barbarians coming from the Aramaic bar-bar-arian. Bar means son of or fire. The son of fire of Ares, Mars. Samael. But also, interestingly enough, it can mean grandson of Samael, the son of the son of Samael. Samael, the archangel, is above in the top trinity, Keter Hukmah Binah, that is the Logos. We have the individual or the son of Samael, the individual master within Tifereth. Samael Vior was the writer whose books we sell. And he was both, he entered initiation and became the child of his inner logos, his divine being. But obviously, like any one of us, he started from down here in Malkut. And therefore, as we are working in this path, we are become grandchildren of Samael because we are working with the fires of Samael. They, energies of sex in us, and we want to enter up initiation to this middle sphere, Tivareth, to the major mysteries. And if we reach that point, we can receive the name of our inner God. We receive and incarnate Christ under whatever ray we belong. And so Attila, or better said, uh, referencing Samael, you may notice that when he wrote some of his earlier books, he called himself On Veor because he was initiate still working within these lower four spheres. But when he reached the fifth initiation of major mysteries, after an igneous rose, I believe, he incarnated at Samael, his inner angel, Christ. And so for, therefore his name was written as Samael on Leor. But as the Bodhisattva, he obeys Mars, the archangel Samael above. So we, the Gnostics are barbarians, despite the beauty of the teaching and the moral message it conveys, we have ego. And so we're learning to change. We want to become pure. But the Huns, obviously, are the spiritual warriors. So Samael, or Attila, 
is referenced as the minister and prophet of Odin, god of war. They conquer Aquileia, the fourth initiation of major mysteries. Attila states, the path of lightning is not so swift nor the flight of the eagle. It's interesting that they reference many times throughout this opera, the elements, because any initiate who is rising this path is controlling the four elements. Mind, heart, sexuality, physicality. And it's interesting that even in the lyrics of, this, of the libretto of this opera, you find many parallels with the book of Revelation. It's almost the same language. His sword is a blood-red comet, his voice the thunder of heaven. With the roar of a hundred tempests, battle is launched from his eyes. Against the links of his tough armor, swords break as against a rock, which we know from esotericism is chastity. The stone of Peter, Yesod. So that is the armament of the spirit. And so we have to learn to become like this. Warriors of the divinity. But that only comes about if we're eliminating lust, pride, anger, fear, vanity, laziness, gluttony. Our defects have to die. But we get help. Attila has a slave servant who is his loyal friend in the beginning named Udino. You literally translate his name into Hebrew. You spell with Aleph, Bab, Lamed, Dalet, Yod, Nun, Vav. Vav can also be pronounced as an O sound or an U sound, U sound. Uldin, Huldin contains in Hebrew the same letters as Daniel. Literally, but this Uldino, this name is an, is an anagram. You take the, the letters, you switch them around, you get a new name. Uldino Daniel, with two Vav left over. And Vav and Vav together are the two spines of the initiates, couple, husband and wife, who are raising the judgment. Dan in Hebrew, or Din in Arabic. The judgment, custom, or religion of the heights. Now, Daniel, we know from the Bible, means God is my judge. In Daniel is a prophet of dreams, which is very compelling because later, I'll mention ahead of time that in Act 1, I believe, Uldino is present when Attila has a dream. And Uldino is his conscience. Dan, Din, Hebrew and Arabic, refer to Geburah. And this is the sphere of Mars governed by the archangel Samael. So many of the characters relate to this sphere and they kind of layer upon each other and interact because despite the simplicity of this glyph, 10 spheres, really there is an infinite, uh, infinite number of elements of the being which work together, different characters. And the characters all relate to different spheres. Geburah, Mars, divine justice can relate to our conscience, the heart that says this is right, this is wrong. So Uldino spares at the end of the Battle of Aquileia some Italian women, these warriors, despite Attila's orders to kill them all, and says to Attila that led by this figure, let Odabella, who led the women, really deserve to be spared. And of course, these initiates, they acknowledge and recognize spiritual valor. So what's interesting is that 
again, Attila is the hero, but the villain. And so all the characters are the different parts of the being who are trying to kill and eliminate the impurity. And this is the great drama of any initiate. We want to become pure. But all the forces of heaven above are saying, yes, you may be a king at your level, but you are still a demon because you have ego. Therefore, that needs to die. But Uldino presents Odabella. Her name is symbolic. Oda Bella. Bella or Bea can mean it, it, beautiful. And Oda, Ida, is the creative sexual force. So we know from our studies of yoga that there were two energy channels rising up the spine. Ida, Pingala. Solar or lunar and solar forces. One is feminine, Ida, and one is masculine, Pingala. The solar energy is risen. It stays within the reaching from the brain, the crown chakra, to the base of the spine. But because of the abuse of sex, Ida, the lunar serpent, instead of being risen up in us, is fallen. Therefore, Ida is a tale of demons because we have the power of Samael inverted. But fortunately for this opera and the characters therein, Odabella is beautiful, Ida. She is beautiful because she is risen. She's the power of sex risen up the spine of Attila. So, Ida even relates to Verdi's opera Aida, the Egyptian mysteries, which has the same meaning. Odabella is Geburah, divine justice, Mars. She is the divine soul, the feminine soul. Samoan Vera mentions that Geburah is a lady, is a great warrior, a Valkyria. And so she's against Attila because she is the pure forces of God rising up. And she says, you have to die because you, your ego cannot go to heaven. But Attila honors her, says, why did you fight with the Italians? She was inspired by the sacred boundless love of our fatherland. Italia, the heights, symbol of the absolute from which the forces of Christ descend down into Yasod, which is Rome. So Attila rewards her courage and said, I'll grant you any request. She asks for a sword. He gives his own because she is Geburah and as Tifereth, he gives the power of sex and all power of judgment to her. And so she is going to purify him, but it means his death. Od in Hebrew means witness, and Od, the helper. These are the two witnesses mentioned in Revelation. These are the energetic currents when they're uplifted, when the solar and lunar energies are risen. The power of Zayin, which is the sword of Kundalini, is risen. And therefore, this alchemist who can possesses Hazot, Azot is exactly that Zain, the sacred fire of the Kundalini Divine Mother, risen within the initiate. And so she sings a very beautiful aria. Her notes go very high, but also when she mocks Attila, you may notice that her notes go low because she's saying to him, you are still a demon. Go up. But the way to do it is through your death. 
She prays to divine justice when she receives his sword. Referencing Geburah, the law. And this is the path of initiation. Anyone who becomes a master wants to perhaps go higher. And for that, every defect must die. This has been granted by you, O sublime divine justice, Geburah. You have armed the hatred of the oppressed with the oppressor's sword, Zain, Kundalini. Cruel blade, can you guess for whose breast your point is destined? The hour of vengeance has come. It has been revealed by the Lord. Which revelation, witnessing, is old and old, Oda, Oda Bella, beautiful witness, to have beautiful visions in meditation and in dreams in which you see the uh, qualities of your work. This is the power of the two serpents risen, the fire of sex rising up, illuminating the head so that you receive an insight into divine justice. So again, uh, the question was raised, how is it that the Nordic mythology relates to Attila? Because they were also the Vikings, the barbarian cultures, according to European history. Odin, as we see here, Voltan, the father of the gods, a great warrior, represents Keter. Od, in Hebrew, again, is helper, because Odin, the father, helps the initiates to rise. But he is a solar force that can only live when the ego dies. Because the sun and the moon can't mix in us. Heaven cannot mix with the devil. So the Huns, they praise Attila because they're recognizing the Gnostics, in the case of Salman Vior, recognize his divinity. So they praised him. Unfortunately, many people have made a cult to the personality of Salman Vior, even though that personality died a long time ago. It's better to pay reverence to the, the being and the human soul, which says, you made him internally, he's clean. No ego, no self, just the Martian Christ there. Long live the king who reveals to the world what the bright rays Odin surrounds him with. If he scourges, he is like the torrent in flood, and he is like dew if he rewards valor. This is the essential nature of Mars. The archangel Samael, or any inner master from the ray of Mars, the Dharmapalas, the warrior Bodhisattvas, are very fierce against the ego. They are like a flood, and yet they are gentle with strength to the soul that is repenting and changing. One new sensation suddenly descends upon my soul, which is when Attila is falling in love with Odabella. Right? He sees her beauty and her strength is because any initiate is in love with Zayin. You're a creative force that is beautiful when it's risen, but ugly when it is fallen. And so we want to change that. What new sensation suddenly descends upon my soul, which yearns for destruction? What destruction is he referring to? The destruction of the ego. This boldness, this noble face of Odabella sweetly engulfs my heart. Let's get on to Ezio. In Hebrew, literally his name is Etzio. Aleph, Tzadi, Yod, Nun. He is referenced as the shield and pride of Rome. And even what's very compelling is that when Attila in the opera greets Ezio, they do the Roman or 
Masonic handshake. Because in a very basic level, in the past, many initiates were from Rome or from among the Huns or wherever they were, would recognize each other because they were awake and therefore they'd greet each other and be on good terms. What's more compelling is that this name Essio, translated in Hebrew, is Kabbalistic. Aleph Tsari, or if you take Aleph, which is the air, the wind, the breath, and you're raising with your vocalizations or prayers, the sexual energy up to your mind, you're awakening your perception, which is Ayin, which means eyes. Ayin begins tree. Ayin Sari. And Sari is a Hebrew letter. Is like a tree. A tree of life. A tree of knowledge. Sari final. Sofit. Because some Hebrew letters have final versions. Descends down. So Ots is the power of perception. Da'at. Sacred knowledge. Spiritual vision born from the sexual force. Which have its roots within Yesod. The sexual force. And so, etzio, etzio, can reference ots hadat tobve ra, which means tree of knowledge of purity and impurity. People translate it as good and evil, but that's really a bad translation. Purity, tob, impurity, ra. The power of sex, it's pure if we use it with the spirit, but impure with our desires. But ots io, because Yod Vav can mean Eo, is the tree of Eo. Eo is the Divine Mother. Ram Eo is a mantra of the Divine Feminine. And is the goddess in Greek relating to the Divine Feminine, a sexual force too. Esio is really a Tsarik. He's a righteous man. He's a warrior of Rome. He works with the sexual force of Amor and is defending Italia, the superior regions, the kingdoms of heaven. And so he approaches Attila and says, you've reached the fifth initiation of major mysteries. You've conquered Aquileia. But understand this. You have to make a choice. Remember that they are on Mount Zion, basically. So any initiate who reaches the fifth initiation of major mysteries has climbed the mountain of initiation, symbolized as Zion, Zion in Hebrew, which is when the forces of sex rise up the tree of life to your head, yod, bob the spine through noon, the sexual force. Anyone who conquers themselves in that level is a tzarik, a righteous one, who is a member of the kingdom of Zion. But Ezio tells them a great problem. He says, the kingdom of Rome and Italy is corrupt. The ruler of the East and the ruler of the West, the rulers of Italy are degenerate. Because in us, the heavenly kingdom is not realized. Our kingdom is corrupt. We see here the tree of life transposed with the four directions. We've mentioned earlier that the north can relate to the right pillar of the tree of life. Chokmah, Hesed, Netzach, or Christ, the spirit and the mind. 
The south relates to Minah, Giburah, Hod, which relate to divine intelligence, divine justice, and emotion, the glory of the soul. The west relates to Malkut because the sun sets. When the energies of God from above the east, when the sun rises, we have spiritual illumination. But when it descends down to Malkut, when the sun disappears into the horizon, we are in darkness spiritually. So the four directions are representative of the Kabbalah. These different pillars and what they represent. So Ezio tells Attila, I got to make a deal with you or you need to make a deal with me. Ezio would place the whole world in your hands. The ruler of the East is advanced in years and unstable. A timid youth sits on the throne of the West. Everything will be scattered when I join forces with you. You will have the universe. Let Italy remain mine. Who is the ruler of the East? Keter. Unfortunately, our inner God is not present in us. That power is not stable because as we're awakening consciousness, we see we don't have divinity inside. We're in the dark. We don't have light. So that is, he's advanced in years and unstable. And a timid youth is in Malkut, which is us. We are children entering the path. And we don't know what we're doing in the beginning. And many times we get lost. So Ezio says, as a master of major mysteries, he's a hierarch of the law, another bodhisattva. I will join forces with you. You can have the universe. You can have the whole tree of life. But let Italy be mine. So there's a choice that's made by any master in this fifth initiation of major mysteries. Either stay in nirvana, stay in heaven, stay in that level of bliss and beauty and repose and happiness, because that level of nature is divine. No ego can go there. And so many masters, they decide, going to stay here. And very few people ever get go beyond. And this is the problem with Ezio. Ezio is a hierarch of that level of nature. He's a master of major mysteries, but he's a spiral path nirvani. So there are beings who enter that level of nature who decide, I'm not going to manifest in the physical world anymore unless necessary. I'll work little by little on my ego, barely, maybe even, and I'll enjoy heaven. And many of them even become gods, nirvana, nirvani buddhas, kings of many higher kingdoms. They have powers in heaven. They have bliss. And yet, they can't go to Italy, Italia, the absolute. So Attila, like very few people, says, I renounce the universe. I renounce everything in this manifested state of being, which is the tree of life. I want to go to the heart of things. I want to enter the absolute. Very few people do it. Most become like Ezio, attached to heaven, attached to power. These are the jealous gods mentioned in many religions who, because they have ego still, their part of them is still trapped in hell. They don't advance to higher levels. So Attila, when he hears SEO make that offer, he says, 
you are corrupt because you still have ego. You are a master of the law, and yet, in a sense, you betray your disciples by having ego, even though you have your foot in heaven. This is the arcanum of impediments, 31, the tarot. A divine feminine figure offers laurels to a child. There's two children. And Salman Vera mentions in Christ's will how this symbolizes the two paths for the initiate. The path of staying in nirvana or renouncing nirvana and eventually descending back into Malkut to clean out Rome. Yesod. He says, I am the scourge of God. Because that's the, the attitude of any initiate who says, I'll take the straight path to reach heaven, annihilate all the ego, and be killed in the end with a terrible sickness. Pay everything that we owe. And it's interesting because 31 impediments also refers to the work of raising the creative fire of sex, the Kundalini. Because you have 33 vertebrae. And every step, every vertebra that you are working in the perfect matrimony to raise the fire, your mind, your ego, your desires, are defects refuse a fight. And to win one vertebra is an ordeal. It is an impediment, which is why in the Quran, Surah 55, you have this following verse repeated 31 times. Which of these signs do you two deny? In the Quran, you find that in Al-Rahman, the compassionate, I give many signs unto my initiates. Which of these signs do you two deny? I show you heavenly elements and scenes, the fruit of the date palm, the heavens and the earth. Which of these signs do you two deny? And many Muslims interpret it as basically jinn and men. The jinn are the Nirvani Buddhas who are in this level of nature. Masters like Ezio who are in heaven, who stay there because they deny God. They deny the straight path. More importantly, are the humans too, as well as the bodhisattvas. But more importantly, who are the two people who deny God? It's in the married couple. You're, raising the, you're trying to raise the fire of the Kundalini. And which of these signs do you two deny? And therefore, we need Al-Rahman, which is the compassionate, to help. But Attila makes his decision. He said, he's being angry at SEO. He says, proud men, though you abjectly and lazily hold the power of the world, my trusty seed will gallop over mountains of dust and bones. I will scatter the guilty ashes of your proud cities, your egotistical psychological country to the winds. He takes the straight path. He renounces heaven. I don't want to become a Nirvani like you. I'm going to go beyond that. And so SEO challenges him. As long as SEO's sword, which is of cosmic justice, remains with him, the great name, Hashem of Rome, Amore, love, shall stand firm. This is very deep. His steed will gallop over mountains of dust and bones. What mountain is he referring to? The second mountain. Or really, to finish off the first mountain, Enter the Venusic initiations, then enter the mountain of resurrection, the mountain of death, of bones and decay to kill all the ego, eliminate everything. But Ezio, 
can also represent any master of the fifth initiation of major mysteries or any guardian of the world of nirvana who says, and basically corroborates what Samal and we are taught in the three mountains. If you reach that level, you are confronted by Ezio, the hierarch of the tree of Eo, who has a sword of justice and says, which path will you take? It's the same meaning there. So Ezio is a composite symbol, meaning there's layers of meaning to him. In one sense, he's attached to power, but in other sense, he's fulfilling the law. He's got the sword of Rome. He's defending the law. These are the archons mentioned in the Gnostic Gospels. Entities who are attached to power in the higher worlds, but also the lords of karma who say, you have to pay what you owe in order to go up. But after that scene, we're, we find a group of hermits on the shore who have a bell of Christ, because the bell is a symbol of on any cathedral of the verb. In the astral plane, if you invoke in the name of Christ, or the power of Christ, for the majesty of Christ, a bell resounds in the heavens. The whole universe shakes. And the gods, the Elohim, smile upon the hermits. So the hermits are the initiates of the ninth arcana of the Tarot. And therefore, they're praising the sunrise alongside the bell of the verb. What a night! The waves are still raging in the fierce storm, which God raised in a breath. Praise be to the Lord. He threw the haughty element into turmoil and then calmed it. Whether nature be troubled or tranquil, he nourishes our hearts with eternal peace. A hermit is an initiate. And, he's, and these verses are emphasizing that we should remember God, praise divinity, when raising the storms of karma in our life, giving us hardships and ordeals. He also calms it. Allah is the originator of good and bad, blessings and curses. We need challenges and ordeals so that the elements of the mind are stirred up so that we can work on what we need to work on. Whether nature be troubled or tranquil, he nourishes our hearts with eternal peace because we have comprehension that this is what we need for our development. And the breath of the morning is already clearing the air. Let us pray. Praise be to the Creator. The morning hours are very great for meditation. And we work with the breath, with pranayama, with mantras, with prayers, so that we praise like with the runes, facing the sun, the east, the rune fa, marvelous forces of love, revive my sacred fires so that my consciousness will awaken. And so these hermits are greeted by the exiles of Aquileia, led by the knight Foresto, Obviously, the symbols of exile are very deep, kind of relate to the Jewish diaspora. The symbol of how the soul of heaven is exiled from the absolute, and we want to return through Exodus, return the parts and people of the soul, the parts of the being, back to Israel. Isis Ra'el, God. Foresto. His name is interesting because it refers to the forests. He's a part of our being relating to the elements. And if you study this opera further, you'll see that they reference the elements many times. So he's a part of our consciousness that relates to the elemental nature. You can call him the elemental advocate because he was a spouse to Odabella, who has the sword. And the elemental advocate is a part of our being that 
works with the different parts of nature, the souls of plants and animals, to perform spiritual works. So Foresto invokes the elements. He says, let us stay here. This cross, this altar are good omens for us. Let each of you build a hut in this enchantment sky and sea. Cross is a symbol of the four elements. Earth, air, fire, water. And the altar relates to Yesod. The altar of chastity in which the four elements are condensed, which we must liberate. She, Ordabella, is in the barbarian's power, fettered with his slaves. It would be less cruel to the soul to know that you were dead. Then I would see you among the angels, at least in my dreams. I would invoke the dawn of my day of immortality. Obviously, on the literal level, this sounds very cruel. Why would the spouse say, I wish my wife was dead? And uh, obviously, if you read it superficially, this is kind of par, par for chord with uh, Italian opera. Outlandish statements, but symbolically, it's very deep. It would be less cruel to know to the soul that you were dead, meaning your e- the ego is dead. And I would see you, Zain, among the angels, the sword of Christ risen up to the mind. I would invoke the dawn of day of my immortality because the arcanum of immortality, the Torah, 13, means death to the ego. And so he prays. And exile sites are always for his fatherland. Dear homeland, at once mother and queen of powerful, magnanimous sons, now a rune, a desert, a wasteland over which silence and wretchedness reign. So the soul is exiled from heaven and wants to return to the heights. Homeland, at once mother and queen, the divine mother, Binah, the Holy Spirit, working Shekinah to rise up from Malkut or Adonia the sacred fire of the divine feminine who gives birth to magnanimous sons who are the initiates. But this motherland is now a rune, a desert. In Hebrew, Bebi Bar, the wasteland. The uh, exodus, which, in which we're in the wilderness of an initiation and life, suffering, hoping to return to divinity so that we can do so through Dabar, which means the word as symbolized by the phoenix. But from seaweed of these waves, like a new phoenix risen, you will live again, more proud and more lovely, wonder of the land and sea. So that sacred word or verb of Christ, by working with the four elements, will raise us. So that path of initiation is very symbolic. We will... uh, be viewing next week the uh, Act One. So at this point, we'll uh, take questions regarding the lecture. Sure. Uh, do you mind going into the spiral and the straight path? Sure. So Samuel Vera talks about the in the Three Mountains. He described how, as we've entered the spiritual path through the minor mysteries, we eventually find our spouse, our partner, or if before we enter this path, we're married, we have our partner to work with the major mysteries. Because he says that the way to enter the higher degrees is through a marriage between husband and wife. If you raise the fire of the Kundalini and create the solar bodies within Malkut, Yesod, Hod, Netzach, and Tiferet, you eventually have a choice to make, symbolized by Esium. So what happens is that a guardian of the Temple of Mysteries approaches you 
do you wish to take the spiral or the straight paths? The spiral path means stay in nirvana. Enjoy the bliss, the heavenly states of being. You may, according to the karma, have to leave nirvana and incarnate or reincarnate physically to pay certain debts and slowly work on ego, little by little. And then nirvana, like a ebb and flow, like a tide, takes you back in. It's a very slow development. It's a beautiful work. Very commendary, commendable. But there's a superior way. The spiral path can take you slowly to certain heights of spiritual development. You gain powers and abilities, governance over certain constellations and heavenly degrees. Power. But it cannot take you to the absolute. The one that can take you to the absolute is your intimate Christ. We have Chokmah, the second logos, symbolized by Jesus of Nazareth, who is an embodiment of Chokmah, wisdom, Christ. And Christ is the energy of divinity who can take you to heaven. But he only incarnates within those masters who renounce nirvana out of love for humanity. And so basically what happens is that they will reach nirvana and see the bliss there, but let's say people are in Malkut who are in pain. And therefore, they sacrifice themselves over a long period of time and through their compassion, through their bodhicitta, their selfless love and enlightened perception, divinity says, okay, I will incarnate in you in order to redeem humanity. That happened with Samal and Vior. Christ can only incarnate when the soul has worked for it. Samael incarnated within on Vior in order to form the Bodhisattva. Samael on Vior. Bodhi is light. And Sattva means essence or incarnation of. So you see in the opera, Attila, Samael, had already incarnated Christ. And Essio says, what path do you take? You want to have the whole universe? Let me have Italy. The absolute. Because those archons guard their development jealously. You have to prove yourself through work whether or not you want to go beyond. And Attila says, I take the straight path because you and your level are stuck. You're trapped. You can't go beyond even your, your heights. And that's the radical element of a bodhisattva is that they are willing to renounce everything to wage a spiritual war. And that is the straight path. In the straight path, what happens is that after taking that direction, you incarnate Christ through the Venustic initiation. And Venus relates to love, compassion. And you begin after raising the serpents of fire, the serpents of light. And the serpents of light rise up the spinal medulla of each of the lower seven spheres. So reaching Bina. So it's a additional work on the first mountain. So people would take the spiral path Stay there. They're still on the Mount Zion. They're still there in development, but they don't really go further. But the Bodhisattvas go even beyond. So they raise the serpents of light, which are similar to Kundalini, but now Christ is rising up the spine. So that they reach the second mountain, which means eliminate all the ego. Pay all your karma and die so that you can resurrect. That's a very different path. Very radical. Most people don't take it.
there's a story given by some students of Salman Vior who said that when Salman Vior was talking with a group of his missionaries, he says, how many of you want to take the straight path? Be honest. All of them raised their hand except one. When the time came, guess who took it? The person who didn't raise his hand. Because Salman Vior said, you will be spat upon, cursed, hated, mocked, ridiculed, persecuted. Your reputation will be destroyed. You will pay a lot of karma, your whatever you owe, in one life. Very few people can do that. I mean, the intensity of all that baggage from past lives all condensed in one. It's like you just take a straight shot. But if you pay it all, the glory is yours and the glory is God's. Beethoven depicted in his Ninth Symphony, reaching finally the Ain Sof, going to the star of hope, of life, the origin, the chorus, Ode to Joy. I recommend you listen to that because that's really, that's the goal. Beethoven as a prophet depicted going to that source and changing. Sure. So Ezio is kind of representing the Nirvanis in that case. And if so, he's a traitor, right? Um, does that mean Nirvanis are traitors against their own being or are they traitors against Christ? Because I always thought that Nirvanis were, were commanded by their being to go on that spiral path. So it's not like their choice as souls. Please, can you clarify? The, um, all of us are traitors in the sense that if we have ego, we betray the law. And obviously there are degrees of that development. You either follow the law of the Glorian, which is the Christic energies, the heights, by having no ego. Or because we have ego and desire, we're, in, we're fallen. We don't resonate with the higher law. And what we want in the process is to eliminate that which betrays the light because we all have the three traitors inside. Judas, Pilate, Caiaphas. Judas, the demon of desire. Lust. Can be very spiritual. Have a lot of love and zeal for religion. And yet, as an apostle, betrays Christ because he's a fornicator. He's lustful. Pilate, the demon of the mind, which says, I wash my hands clean of responsibility for what I've done. And then Caiaphas, which is the worst. A high priest, a master, an initiate, but who is a demon because he still has ego inside. And therefore, he hates Christ. But he may, really, in all of us, we have all three. And we want to eliminate and kill the three traitors. So Essio, because, you know, he's a master. He's a Nirvani Buddha. He loves God. He loves Rome. He says, by my sword of Rome, I will defend the kingdom. Because Attila has ego. But also, Ezio has ego. It's uh, Everyone is fighting and combating each other because it's a battleground. Nobody's innocent. The only one who's innocent is Christ, the Logos, who's perfect. We are not. And if we want to change, we can change so that we stop being betraying the light. Unfortunately, we do a lot of that, but we have to be patient because 
We're in process. That's why the drama is represented in many operas. It's a long struggle. You don't get it overnight. It takes many years. But with patience, possessing your souls. mentioned Samael O'Neill as an example of taking the um, the straight path and was presented that question. Would he have been presented that question in his previous incarnation? Could he have actually taken the spiral path when he had taken the straight path before? Good question. There are many bodhisattvas who are performing the work again. Salman Vera was an ancient master. He reached the heights, but he fell. He was a fallen angel. But now he's resurrected again. So when he reached that degree, again, recapitulating his mastery, the law told him, which path will you take? He said, I'll take the straight path. Those who take the straight path have a commitment. They do not renounce that. They can't. Because if you know the light at some point in your development, you're committed. And someone who takes that degree is committed. The law will say, you want want to go on the spiral path, but that's not allowed to you. And you either obey or we'll send you down. Because that commitment is very serious. We call it the law of katansia, the law of the glorian, the initiates, karma, karma of the gods. If you have a dream of lions, like the lion mentioned in Leia, the kingdom of Italy, loyal to the law. It's a symbol that you have a commitment to that. Whatever your degree was in your past, and now you're trying to recapitulate. So Salman Vior, even if he may have wanted to take this spiral path, which he didn't, the law would have told him, his being would have told him, no. You're married. Someone who reaches the Ain Sof, who reaches the hot top trinity of the tree of life, becomes a different being. It's a contract. And no matter how many times or if that initiate falls, the divinity comes to them and says, pushes them again to go up. That's the case with many, with Salman Vior, what happened to him, but also many initiates in the Gnostic movement. They're rising again. Many of them, many of them are from the ray of Mars, which is why the opera Verdi's opera is very prophetic because the opera depicts the Martian initiates of the Gnostic movement. Many people from the ray of Mars are in Gnosis. Not everybody, but there's a lot, big number. If you become a master that is perfected, you can't walk away from that because it's the development of your inner God. Your God will demand of you, return, or if you disobey, it's over. I don't recommend that, if that's anyone's case. And most people, I mean, people who are really serious are going to change, because Ar-Rahman, the compassionate, says, which of these signs do you two deny? It repeats again and again as you're trying to raise the fire and go up. But, yeah, it's a commitment. Just a bit confused as to who the protagonist is. 
Good question. Who is the hero of the opera? Is it Attila? He's a king, but he's, a, he's got ego. Is it Odabella? Seems like it. She's the most pure. Foresto, who is a part of the being, but severe with the soul. Our kingdom is mixed. We have good and evil. We're in turmoil. So in, oftentimes in us, we don't know the difference. We struggle with who is right and who is wrong in us. And that's where meditation and conscience come into play. The opera is Attila, but he's the hero. He's Tifereth. He's the master, the warrior. But also he has ego. So he's the villain at the same time. He's the protagonist and the antagonist because he's causing all the strife. And that's because he has desire. And we have to remember that even if we reach the fifth initiation of major mysteries, the region of Tifereth, we still have ego, usually a lot. So we are both the hero and the villain of our path. The soul can be armored to work and fight for the initiatic way or can fall and become a demon. Or we have the ego inside because we're, we're mixed. It's like the, the Iliad, if you ever read that poem by Homer. The gods seem to go back and forth. And this is an ongoing battle. We don't know who's good and who's evil. It happens in us. We get disoriented easily. But with time, with acculturation to the light, we begin to sense and see in ourselves what's right and what's not. And therefore, we see both good and bad. We learn to discriminate good from evil. That's the quality of an angel. To learn to see the good and the bad and the bad and the good. That's the sword of justice mentioned by Samuel and Veor. A superman has the sword of justice in his hand and rejects evil, but also the, the powers of good that could corrupt. So then this opera is Attila's journey? And it's a symbol of us if we reach the fifth initiation of fire. If we take that path, we'll become a warrior. We're fighting in ourselves, eliminating ego, and seeking to return to divinity. It's a symbol of us. You know, historically, I mean, it can refer to the angel Samael, but any master of the ray of Mars. So it's personal, but also it's esoteric in terms of history, movements. But it relates to those later parts of the path that come after the fifth initiation fire, major mysteries. Correct. This initiation or this opera depicts the path of masters. So it's elevated, right? I mean, it's very profound, but it's, we can learn from the examples of the heights. We may not be at that level, but it's good to know the map, what will happen if we get to that point. But also, we need to become like Attila. He's very devoted to Odin. He loves Odin, Od, and he loves Odabella, the purity of Ida. When the energies are rising up, and are victoriously conquering the negative forces in oneself. That is Ida. And any initiate, any Gnostic, is in love with Odabella. Foresto is in love with Odabella. He's betrothed to her. Beautiful Ida. We need will. Telema is the model of the Gnostics. Willpower. But not selfish will. Christ will. Christic will. Thank you. That was very helpful. Thank you. Okay. Yeah.
so that's kind of what this this journey is. Mm-hmm. Yes. Right before the final ordeal, the final test, like you said, the final choice. Well, this this prologue showed that choice, and he he made his choice pretty clearly, right? Yes. Uh, he chose the straight path because, as you said, you know, here's everything that you want. Here's the bliss of nirvana, and he says, "I reject that. You're a traitor. I'm going on the straight path." Is that correct? Yes. yes. So now we're going to see what happens as he enters into the straight path and the ordeal he has to go through in order to reach that kind of spiritual death into which the soul resurrects, but the ego, which is all of the like the shadow of the soul, all of the defects that are you know capturing the soul, will die. Is it really fascinating? Yeah. Yeah. Very deep, very powerful. And as we look at Act One. Eventually, act two and three together, you'll see what happens to the bodhisattva. I don't want to spoil it, but symbolically, every initiate must die. Every initiate must die to the ego, must be killed by divinity. Well, you'll see. I mean, uh, I mean, Attila is really uh, represents any master who has ego, and the ego has to die. The ego cannot mix with the light, and the light has to be pure. We have to learn to eliminate all the things that keep us away from the light of divinity, which is symbolized in the opera by Odin. Od refers to the light, the light of Odin, Christ. But that light can only be pure in us if we eliminate the blackened Samael, the inversion of that force, which is ego, desire, hatred. And that's Attila's problem in the opera is that he's, he has a lot of anger. But that's kind of how he's presented in history. Yeah, I mean, and history is one thing, right? I mean, the, Verdi cleverly took the history and made it a symbol. There's an event later in Act 1, you'll see that there's a specific intercession between Pope Leo, who came to Attila the Hun historically to help end the fight. You will see it represented in the opera, but literally it happened in history. But as an alchemical, Kabbalistic symbol, it references something even more profound, which we'll talk about. Any other questions about the opera? I guess my only other question is where does Odebella? Odebella. Geburah. She she invokes in her prayer to divine justice. Justice in Hebrew is Geburah. Geburah is Mars. So all the tree of life, all the sephiroth, the spheres or emanations of divinity are governed by different planets. Mars and the sun relate to Geburah because Geburah, the divine soul, the justice of divinity incarnates the light. Beautiful Bella or beautiful Ida. Justice is symbolized by a sword, the sword of Mars. And Mars, the solar forces of the Kundalini, are what reject and def- evil and defend the pure. Now, what's interesting is that that sword of Kundalini rises when the two channels of the spine are upright, Ida Pingala. And you'll see towards the end of the opera, symbolized by some of the characters, that the three have to go together Ida, Pingala, Shushumna, the spine, or your tree of knowledge, tree of life, better said. Sari, Sarik, 
And Gibrah, Odabella, is against Attila, his ego. Divine justice says, you have to die to your impurity. You cannot go to heaven with your desires. Therefore, she's very severe. She hates Attila. But meanwhile, she's a divine soul. The part of the consciousness that doesn't mix with ego. But when she enters the psyche, she has to wage a great battle. And that's the great drama. Will Attila eliminate his ego? Will our willpower be pure? Or will it not be? To be or not to be? That is the question. One little one. Is there a, have we been introduced to Hesed yet? Or somebody that represents it? Yeah, in passing reference, Ugin. Od can reference the right pillar of the tree of life. Odin also is the top trinity, which is Keter, Chokmah, Vinah, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. The trinity. Or Odin, Votan, Baldur, Thor. The trinity has been represented in all faiths, in different languages, in different ways, different myths. That part of the tree of life is absolutely pure and never mixes with the ego. But you also have Hesed, the spirit, the innermost, our inner God. Part of us that links us with uh, one of the seven rays. You know, if you have if you're from the Martian ray, your innermost is like a warrior. That's why the innermost is related to Mars and Jupiter. Jupiter knows is a king who rules. Mars is the force of divine love in Samael. Odin, you can say, top trinity or Hesed, the light of Christ. That's the pure elements in us. And Attila Tiferet is fighting for Odin. All the Sephiroth are mentioned, but in different ways. We'll go even more depth. To learn more about the knowledge covered in this lecture, we invite you to study the books available through Glorian Publishing or GnosticTeachings.org. You can also view free online courses, lectures, transcriptions, and articles available at chicagognosis.org. All of this is made possible by the support of listeners like you. Have you benefited from this knowledge? Help others by making a tax-deductible donation at chicagognosis.org. We thank you for listening. We hope that these lectures aid you in developing your complete and divine potential. May all beings be happy. May all beings be joyful. May all beings be in peace.